Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor David Hall. If you'd like to find out more about David or to keep up to date with his ministry, you can visit davidhall.com.au. We hope that you enjoy the message. Second Kings chapter 5, if you've got it, say Amen. And verse 1, it says this, Now Naaman, the commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the sight of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Then he said to her mistress, Naaman's wife, If only my master were with the prophet who was in Samaria, for he would heal Naaman of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel. We'll jump down to verse 9, and it says, Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, indeed, I said to myself or thought to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not the Abana and Farfa rivers of Damascus better than all of the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned away in a rage. I'm going to read on two more verses. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. This is an awesome story of the miraculous power of God. This is an awesome story about how God can change an impossible circumstance in a moment of time. And we read about this man, Naaman, who was an incredible champion, and and not a champion of faith up until the point of his encounter with God, I guess, but just naturally speaking, but by the grace of God, even God anointed him, even though he wasn't running after God or serving God, this man had great victories, he had great, great, uh, great conquests. And the Bible, if you if you break down verse number one, it's quite a powerful verse because you see some big words that. That, that paint a picture of the, the size and the stature of this man. It says, now Naaman, commander of the army. He was, the Bible says, he was, he was great and honorable. And, uh, and by him, the Bible says, God brought victory. He was a mighty man of valor. It says all these phenomenal things, and then it says, but a leper. He was great, naturally speaking. He was a somebody, naturally speaking. But he had a challenge in his life that nothing in the kingdom of which he governed could fix it. He had a challenge in his life that nothing that the world could bring could fix. The only one that could fix it was God himself. 
And I love this story because you read about a person who's a commander and, uh, and a person who's a conqueror. But if, if the truth of what he was battling with was found out, he would have been known as a castaway. Naaman was unclean. Naaman, the great warrior, the great man of valor, the great battle, had sickness. He had brokenness in his life, but God had a plan to turn it around. And do you know, often under grace and serving God, we can be a lot like that. We can have a lot of victories going in our lives, and we can have a lot of areas that need God to do something. And the truth is, just because you might have some stuff in your life that God needs to turn around, it does not count you out. Are you awake this morning? Do you believe that today? It doesn't count you out. I'm telling you right now, it doesn't disqualify you. Do you know something? I'm disqualified because of who I am. I'm disqualified because of what I can do. I'm disqualified based on the fact that I'm born on this planet. But I'm qualified because the anointing of God lives on the inside of me. I'm qualified because I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. I'm, I'm qualified because I'm a new creation and I'm a brand new man. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I'm qualified because my old man, my old self, before I found Jesus was crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who lives but Christ who lives in me. Are you alive in the house today? Come on. I need to hear. We do this together, you know. We're preaching together. And so Naaman, man, he was, he was a legend but he was a total mess. And so you see, that, and I'll talk more about it in detail in a minute, but a girl in his house says, hey, I want to introduce you to someone. There's a guy that can change your world. And, and so he goes and he confronts Elisha and goes to meet Elisha. And Elisha would not even leave the house to come and talk to him. He sent his assistant. That'd be, that'd be, can, can you imagine maybe Pastor Dave's in his office and, 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 and Mr. Abbott decides he needs some prayer and he comes to church and, and uh, decides he's going to get a breakthrough from God, he's going to come see Pastor Dave. Pastor Dave doesn't even go out to meet him. He just sends one of the office staff to sort of give a few instructions and, and go and dip in, in, uh, go and dip in the sea a couple of times. Watch out for Irigangi. Watch out for box jellyfish and crocodiles and every other deadly freaky thing you have up here in North Queensland, you freaks. And we have sharks and magpies. They're both horrible. You ride your bike and get swooped by a magpie. You're moving right along. I'm getting in a ditch. But, but Elisha doesn't even, even come out to talk to him. And, and Naaman was expecting this big pomp and ceremony. He's going, he's going to wave his hand all over me. It's going to be full awesome. It's going to be the best. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be the best. And nothing, nothing, nothing really happens. He just gets told, go to the dirtiest river in town and go and dip in the thing seven times. And he's mad. He's ticked off. And so the guys say, you know what? You just need to go and do it. And he does it. And he receives a breakthrough from God. And in this passage, I see three things this morning. Thoughts about a God encounter and how an encounter with God works. How breakthrough works, how, how miracles happen, how lives are changed, because sometimes we think it's so simple. Sometimes there's a bit of stuff required of us to get into a position where we receive something from heaven. Can you say amen this morning? And so, so you look at this story, and there are, there are three keys or thoughts to un, unlocking the miraculous, and I, and I want to show, or breakthrough. You see, we hear words like breakthrough or miracles. Now, miracles are a funny thing, because a miracle is something you don't need unless you've got a problem. If everything's going good, you don't need a miracle. If everything's going good, you don't need a breakthrough. If everything's going good, you, you might not need God to 
intervene in an emergency. And the truth is we live in a world where everything's going pretty good here in Australia. We've got a pretty good nation. We've got a lot of good stuff going for us. We've got some of the, I think, three of the world's best cities to live are in Australia. And, uh, and believe it or not, Emerald is not one of them. <laughs> Apologise, Chris, but it's true. It's true, I've been there. They do have a KFC now, though. It's very powerful. <laughs> it's actually KFD, Kentucky Fried Dingo. It's very powerful. It's beautiful. <laughs> but there's three things I want to show you from this passage, and, and I'm just going to sort of build a foundation. I'm, I'm going to try and pace myself over three sessions, and we're going to just believe God for the power of heaven to touch this place. But God's going to move today. But I want to give you three things. So if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write these things down. Number one, the first thought that you need to know, the first thing you need to know when it comes to a God encounter is God loves to put his word in unlikely vessels. I want to say that again. God loves to put his word in an unlikely vessel. You have a young woman living in that house, probably 14 to 16 years of age, who was pillaged and taken from her family in a raid that was led by Naaman himself. And this girl was taken from her family, from her friends, from her social life, from everything that mattered to her. At your age, she was taken from her world and became, and she was trafficked. And it is quite possible and quite likely that even as a, she was trafficked, not only as a slave, but as a sex worker, she was, she was totally violated at the hands of the people that she lived with. She was violated at the hands of the people that, that she was serving. Imagine living that life where you've been plucked out from your mum, your dad, your family, your friends, your school, everything that means something to you, and the very perpetrators themselves are the people that you have to come and you've got to deliver bread to, you've got to deliver food to, you've got to work for, you've got to wash their clothes, you've got to make their life amazing when they've totally destroyed yours. Yet that girl had enough, I mean, this pumps me up, she had enough conviction of God. I mean, she's a better person than me because I'd be, I'd be looking for a window and I'd sneak out. I'd be gone. I, 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 would, I wouldn't hang around. And she, she stayed in her place. And you know the beautiful thing about this girl, when everything in the world, and, and, and you and I would not have thought badly of her if she hadn't helped him. We would have understood. We would have, no worries. That makes perfect sense. It's the logical thing to do. But she had such a God conviction that she saw a man and somehow saw a perpetrator, somehow saw a bad person through the lens of Jesus. I mean, this pumps me up, man. I'm getting pumped. And she, she, do, she didn't even say that she could introduce him to God or, or anything like that. She just knew of someone who knew God. She basically said, I know somebody who knows somebody who knows what to do for you. And so she could have sat there and said, you know, I'm, I'm going to do nothing. But she made a decision to live by the conviction of God. And she said, she said to somebody that had abused her, somebody that had broken her, she still said, hey, if only you'd meet Elisha. If only you'd meet the prophet. She knew that the key to her breakthrough was his breakthrough. Sometimes, some, sometimes we try to keep people in a prison. If they get free, we can get free at the same time. And so she says, she says, you've got to meet this guy, Elisha. And you know, you know, he listen. You know, sometimes you might think that you, got, you, you could contribute into a situation 
that you could bring voice into a situation and you feel underqualified. You feel like no one's going to listen to me. No, no one wants to hear what I've got to say. Can I tell you, God's word in your mouth is as powerful as his word in his mouth. And you know, young person, we need to start to rise up and come on somebody over here. Are you with me this morning? We, we gotta, we gotta start rising up and, and being who God's called us to be and realize that his word in our mouth carries power, carries authority, carries breakthrough, carries miracles. See, sometimes we shrink back. We draw back. Hebrews says, I don't ever want to draw back, man. I want to come forward and say, man, Jesus is alive. Australia's coming to Jesus, man. My friends are going to get saved. My school's going to get saved. My church is going to grow. Why? Because greater is he that's in you. Man, I'm preaching myself happy this morning. Man. Hashtag hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Are you happy this morning? I mean, does anyone believe that God wants to use you and do something with your life? Come on. Does anyone believe that you're fearfully and wonderfully made and alive? But come on, if you believe it, give God a praise in here today. Praise God. Now, now let, let, let's look at this for a minute. Now, it amazes me that God would put a slave in a palace to bring breakthrough. Well, the devil meant for evil for that girl. God meant for good. You know, the thing that broke you the most, the thing that hurt you the most, the thing that damaged you the most, and I'm not trying to be insensitive, and I understand that there's stuff that I'll never understand, but what the enemy tried to do to destroy you, God can use that thing to change your world for the glory of Jesus Christ. You say, I've been hurt. You're a candidate for the blessing of God. I've been broken. You're a candidate to do something great for God. You don't know my background. My background's terrible. Praise God. God loves to take the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. To confound the wise. In other words, he wants to take people who haven't got it together, who haven't got it all right, who haven't got all their ducks lined up in a row, but they're yielded vessels under him and he can use them. And she says to, she says to Naaman's wife, if only, if only my master could meet the prophet, he knows what to do. You know the beautiful thing about Jesus, I, and I love this about God, and it's not really the point of my message, but we don't need a middleman anymore. I don't need to say, I know somebody who knows somebody who knows what to do for you. I can just tell you right now, I know a guy, and his name's Jesus. And he's alive, and he has a plan for your life, and he wants to turn things around. You might be facing a storm right now. Jesus Christ is the one who's able to change things and turn things around by the grace of God. You might be watching this on the internet. You might be watching this on TV somewhere. You might I don't know where you are. I don't know where this message is going to go. But what I do know is that greater is he that's in you, and he has a plan and a purpose, and you might feel unqualified. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. You know, that pumps me up, you know, that God can, can use her. Because sometimes I, I feel like an unlikely candidate. You might feel like an unlikely candidate to be used by God. I'm an insecure little pastor's kid from a broken home in the back blocks of Adelaide. God decided to use me. He decided to use people that were never likely candidates. Most of your pastors here today, you think, oh man, they must have it all together. They haven't always. Pastor Rob used to run a drug ring out of Columbia. <laughs> Moving right along because he hasn't actually stopped. He's still running it. That's why he's doing so well. 
they, they missions. <laughs> Pastor Roberto, he's a good, he's a good man. He's a good man. I don't always feel like a worthy candidate, but I know that little is much when it's placed in the hands of God. Number two, number two. Second thing I learned from this passage, number two, is that the miraculous often, I'm not saying every time, sometimes we generalize, but often, the miraculous often requires the ridiculous. Let me say that again. The miraculous often requires the ridiculous. Let me, let me try and paint it for you. A kid with two fish and five loaves, feeding 5,000, ridiculous, but in the hands of God, fed a nation. Spitting in the dirt, making mud balls, sticking them in somebody's eye, and then saying, go and dip in a pool. Ridiculous, but it worked. God came through. Waiting 10 days in an upper room for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They didn't even know it was going to happen, but sitting there for 10 days waiting, 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 and boom, God comes. It's ridiculous. I can't get Christians to pray for 10 minutes, let alone 10 days. Some people, I, I even me sometimes, I'll be praying, oh God, I feel like watching The Bachelor. <laughs> Touching Jesus on the hem of his garment when a crowd of thousands are around him, ridiculous. But it brought a miracle. Acts 3, when you've never seen miracles before, when you've denied Jesus three times and then saying, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Ridiculous. But it worked. Applying the blood to the doorposts in the book of Exodus. When the angel of death comes over, he passes by and spares a family or a firstborn son. Ridiculous. But it worked. Marching around Jericho seven times. It's ridiculous. But it worked. Are you catching what I'm saying? Sometimes you need to do some ridiculous things. I've got a guy in my church by the name of Mitch. Mitch. Mitch is one of our keyboard players and worship leader is a great guy. It's quite a few years ago now, but Mitch had a friend who was deaf in one of his ears. And Mitch and him were hanging out. I think they got drive through food and he used to drive a Valiant with a bench seat. And uh, some of you don't even know what that is. I'm struggling to even know what it is, but it was, apparently that was the rage back in the day. So he drove a Valiant with a bench seat and he's driving with his friend and Mitch is driving, his friend is in the passenger seat with a deaf right ear. And so Mitch, God speaks to him and says, Mitch, you need to blow in the guy's ear. And so Mitch says to the Lord, well, look, Lord, uh, I'm in a valiant with a bench seat. If I slide over and blow in his ear, he's probably going to punch me in the nose. Because this is not cool in South Australia. That's not how we roll. And so anyway, the Lord speaks to him and says, blow in his ear. So he pulls the car over and he says to his friend, I know this is strange. I know this is really weird. I know it's ridiculous. But the Lord told me to do this. And so he just blows in the guy's ear. And the guy could have thought it was weird, but at that very split second, his ear popped open and he heard out of that right ear for the first time in his life. Come on, somebody. Because if you do the ridiculous, he'll do the miraculous. I remember the first sermon I ever preached. I was in grade nine, and I'd just been to a revival in a city called Pensacola, Florida, at, at Brownsville Assembly of God. And there was a move of God there, and I was, I think I got saved four nights straight. 
got filled with the Holy Spirit every night, touched, changed by the grace of God. It was awesome. So I came back to, this is when I was in high school, I was grade nine, so I come back to school. And I, I grew up in a Baptist school. I was in a Baptist school. And so I was talking to the principal. Somehow the deputy principal asked me how my trip was, and I said it was good. And I just told him, I said, God changed my life. And he said to me, he said, would you like to address the whole high school in a school chapel service, which is, you know, a crowd about this big. And, and, uh, and I didn't really think it through. I just said, sure. So then I had two weeks to feel as sick as anything because now I'm fairly confident to preach. But back then I'd never done it before. And I was terrified. So I, I didn't know where to start. I didn't know how to prepare a sermon. So I thought I'll save myself some time. I won't prepare a sermon. I'll just steal one of my dad's. So I thought, I'll get one of his sermons. And this was in the 90s. So in the 90s, they were all kind of positive. So I thought, none of this positive stuff. I'm going to the 80s, man, where it was, a, it was a lot more epic in the 80s. So I looked for the most gruesome title I could find. And the message title that I found was a scripture uh, referring to Jonah's experience in the belly of the whale. And it says, out of the belly of hell I cried, and thou, not he, thou, heardest. Not heard, heardest. My voice, that was the title of my message. So I, I used his notes, I used his illustrations. It was a terrible message. I think I preached 30 minutes on the ravages of hell and the bondage of Satan and demons and pitchforks and, and hooves. And, and <laughs> so that's what I preached on. And at the end, I sort of did this altar call and I said, if you don't want to burn in the sulfuric pit of the flames of hell... Lift your hands. And pretty much the whole high school <laughs> lifted their hands. I said, yes, I see that hand. Yes. Yes. So we had a bit of a revival start in the school. We started a bit of a lunchtime program and God started moving and, and people got saved. One guy who gave his heart to Jesus in that meeting was a guy called Josh. And uh, Josh was fanatical. Josh comes to that, he's in that service. So then I said to him afterwards, do you want to come to my youth group on Friday night? So he says, sure, I'll come to the youth group on Friday night. So he comes to the youth group. And I mean, he gets saved, filled with the spirit, everything, like three times over and some. I mean, he, let, he went in there a heathen, came out a radical, crazy. He wasn't Pentecostal, he was Pentehostal. He was, it was next level. So he comes out and I get somebody telling me, David, you've got at school the next, the next week, Go and, you need to go and find Josh. He's up on the Oval. I said, what's he doing? He says, there's a girl that was known as a bit of a rough girl in the school and he's gone and he's trying to cast demons out of her on the Oval. You need to go and sort it out. So I said, Josh, come on, let's, uh, let's get out of here, bro. Let, she, she's fine. Come here, in Jesus' name. So we're kind of friends in school. And so then I get to Bible college, first year of Bible college, I get there and he's right there in Bible school. He's still in our church today. He's in Bible school. And so he is serving in the church. They say to him, will you become a home group leader at Paradise Church? So he says, sure, no worries. So he ends up running this home group in his, in his uh, parents' house. And his mum and dad had both walked away from God, been away from God what, for, since they were teenagers. And they'd been in the United Church. They'd never really been in a church where they'd had a strong emphasis on a God encounter and discipleship and all that. So the dad is just watching Josh and quite amazed with what Josh is doing. And, and to cut a long story short, one day Josh decides it's Holy Spirit night in, uh, at home group. He's going to teach the young guys how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So his mum and dad are out doing the shopping 
come back in as Josh is talking about the baptism of the Spirit. There's music playing and he's starting to pray. And as he's praying in the Holy Ghost, Dad is there with two bags of groceries under his arm. Next minute, boom, hits the floor under the power of God. Oh, man, I get pumped about that. Sorry about that. You calm down. He gets filled with the Spirit. He ends up becoming a full-time senior pastor. Josh becomes a pastor. Josh's brother comes into our church years later, hadn't met Jesus, walks into church because his brother made him, sits there the whole time with his arms folded, walks down the front during my message, and God says to him, will you submit to me? And I mean, I'm trying to preach, and he's right there, so I just put my hand on his head, hoping something would happen. Boom, he hits the floor under the power of God. He's saved. Their kids are saved. Their family's saved. Serving God. Building the kingdom of God, having an impact for the glory of heaven. And I'm nothing special. I just as a kid decided I might have a go at doing the ridiculous. And then God does the miraculous. When's the last time you did something ridiculous? When's the last time you gave in an offering and you thought, flip, I don't even know why I'm doing this, but I'm doing it in faith. When's the, when's the last time you told someone that, that, that they needed Jesus and, and that God loved them and had a plan for their life? When, when's the last time you went to somebody who was sick and instead of going, let me give you an Advil or a Panadol, you said, in the name of Jesus. When, when's the last time you got on your face and prayed for this nation and said, God move? You've got to do the ridiculous. Pray in tongues. It's ridiculous. But it's miraculous. Man, you're going to come to the altar. Some of you are going to hit the floor. It's ridiculous. But it's supernatural. You'll leave different. Some of you, you've been sitting here the whole time with your arms folded and you're like, you know what? I don't know if I want to lift my hands. I don't know if I'm down with that. It's a bit weird. And then, you know, you might go sort of half mast. You know, as you worship, you go, oh, this feels all right. You get you goosebumps down your forearm, you fall, oh, it's, like, it's like heaven, and, and you sort of get the other one up, and, and then everyone else is singing oceans, so you have to lift your hands higher, spirit lead me where my trust is without water, you write letters to God in the sky, let me walk upon the waters, Some of you, you, you remember, you came to youth with your arms folded, and then one day you lifted your hands and you pressed into God. It seemed ridiculous, but you've never looked back. Why? Because it was miraculous. You've got to do the ridiculous. Some of you need to move a little bit, you know? I like you moving in church, man. Sometimes you've got to drop the shoulder, you know? Just... Maybe don't do that, but... Get free. Do the ridiculous. Become a bit undignified. Don't get religious for theme. Be radical, man. Be on fire for God. Serve God. Yeah, it's ridiculous to keep yourself pure. It's ridiculous to have a clean mouth. It's ridiculous to stay stove up, stay shove out under. It's, ri- it's, it's, ridic- it's ridiculous to serve in church. It's ridiculous to go to prayer meetings. It's ridiculous to come to conference. But it's miraculous! Come on, somebody! Merry Christmas! Man, I'm preaching myself happy this morning, man. We are, well, bless God. Come on, why don't you just give God a bit of a shout here, just a little bit. Why don't you just make a joyful noise under God in the house? Boom! Number three. It's my last point. The two of you taking notes look very tired. <laughs> Number three. I, I, 
absolutely convinced that sometimes we get so conservative, we got to get a bit ridiculous. And if we get told, dip in a river seven times, dip in a river seven times. I mean, if we get told to make noise, let's make some noise. If we get told to press into God, press in, let's do the ridiculous and bring in the miraculous in our world. Number, number three, number three, and this is the most important thing I want to say today. Number three, your breakthrough, your miracle, your answer, whatever you want to put in that, in that thought, your miracle, your breakthrough is in the river. Let me say that again. Your miracle, your breakthrough is in the river. I love this story. To get a miracle, Naaman thought that Elisha was going to just wave his hand and everything was just going to be wonderful. It'd be demonstrative. There'd be pageantry. And it'd just be something special. It wasn't the case. God wanted him to learn a lesson that what you need doesn't come from a man. It comes from heaven. It comes from a river. The Bible says in Psalm 46, there is a river, the streams whereof make loud the city of God. The Bible says, Revelation 22, and he showed me a river flowing from the throne of God on the land. There was healing in that river. Can I tell you, the river speaks of the Holy Spirit. And you know, the truth is, if you would connect with the river of God's Spirit, you can be changed. The, the psalmist says, I believe it's the sons of Korah, there is a river, the streams. It doesn't say there was a river. It says there, there is, right now, there is a river that you can get in. Now, I want you to stay with me for a minute because because he says this, he, he, Naaman tries to negotiate. And often we negotiate with God. We've got to do what he says. And, and he says, what about the Abana? Or, or what about the far, far rivers? They're cleaner. They're nicer. The Jordan was a rugged river, man. It was not the cleanest river. It was a dirty river. But the thing is, that was the river that had the finger of God in it. And sometimes, sometimes what might seem like a, a cleaner option or a safer option it looks good, it seems good, it tastes good, smells good. There's no power in it. You know, sometimes we've got to be careful that our Christianity doesn't just look good and sound good and be clean and nice. I'm talking about clean in a, in a natural kind of a, a, a superficial level. I want a Christian experience that's rugged and raw and alive with the finger of God in that river of life and bringing hope and bringing change and So he says, can I, can I, can I go into, into my river and dip seven times up there? And, and the deal was, no, you've got to dip in this river. It's not familiar. You don't know it. In that river, you're not in control. In that river, you're not a somebody. In that river, you're not, you're not, you're not even a local. You are nothing in that river. He's everything in that river. You know, I, I, want, I want to live in that river where I'm nothing. He's everything. I want to live in that river where the power is, where the anointing is. Too often we want to hold on to our river of being conservative, our river of having church our way, doing things our way. I want to just get in the river of God's obedience and do what God says and follow the Holy Spirit and trust Him. Because when you taste of the Spirit of God, see, I'm a Holy Ghost God. Because I know if Christians can encounter the power of the Holy Ghost, if you can taste of that river, there's healing in the river. There's hope in the river. There's salvation in the river. There's power in the river. There's anointing in the river. There's miracles in the river. You can be changed. You're watching at home right now, wherever you are in the world, jump in that river. It's not just contained in this room. It, it, it is an omnipresent thing because the river isn't a thing. It's a person and it's the Holy Spirit. He's the Holy Spirit. You know, this weekend, I want to encourage you. We've got three more days at this conference and there's a river farm. I want to ask you a question. You're going to jump in. Are you going to receive all that heaven has and say, God, I'm hungry. God, I want your anointing. 
God, I want your presence. Too often we hold back and we stay in our waters of apathy. We stay in our waters of familiarity. We stay in our waters of compromise. God's saying today, come on. Come into these waters. Come into the Jordan. Come and dip. Come and be filled. Come and get the Holy Ghost on you. You might shout, yeah. You might speak in tongues. You might, you know, sometimes people say, if I, if I go to the altar call, do I have to speak in tongues? You don't have to do anything. You get to speak in tongues. Are you hear what I'm saying? There's a difference. And sometimes we, we, we mix up our have-tos and get-tos. And when you get to me, I, I, I don't have to tithe. I get to tithe. I don't have to worship. I get to worship. I don't have to live clean. I get to live clean. I don't have to magnify Jesus. I get to worship Jesus. I get to. You know, the waters are flowing in this house. God wants to do something here today. I'm a, I'm a believer that one touch of the power of God will be never the same again. I was talking to Pastor Rob last night. He just started talking about just church, and, you know, all, all positive, all wonderful things about what God's doing. He kept saying, he kept saying, I kept saying, this land needs more than anything right now. It's just, the, not the, this land, the world. We need a move of the Holy Ghost. We, we need God's river to touch every part of this planet. I think of what's going on right now in the Middle East. And we can legislate, we can start wars and all of those things. And I'm not giving a political commentary nor an opinion. But I can tell you the only hope for that region is still Jesus. And sometimes that gets beyond our faith. We almost think God can save anyone. But that region, that region needs Jesus. You know, the truth is today, if we would step out of our country and say, God, I want your river. I want your anointing. I want your presence. We'll see a God encounter happen in this place. And today, I just want everyone to stand. I'm not going to go much longer at all, but let's stand for just one minute. Let's lift our hands up to God. Because he's in this place by his spirit. Let's let him touch you today. Let him fill you.